This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, special. Good afternoon, fellow investors. Excuse me. Welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, February 23rd, 2023 edition. I'm Justin Klein, and I'm excited for today's radio program and podcast to help you make the most of your capital, help you develop the portfolio strategies that fit you and the current market condition. So the main goal of this show will be to listen to your finance and investment questions and give you my unbiased answer. No hidden agenda. I'm not trying to push you anything. I'm just going to educate you on the ways to think about the, these questions, the, the answer to these questions. And some of, it, some of it may be philosophical. Some of this may be uh, to instill some discipline in your decision-making process and also hopefully give you some data to help bring about a decision that makes sense for you as an investor. And the investing situation today is, in today's market, is very different than what we've seen in the past. You know, the world has changed. COVID, you have what's going on uh, over in Eastern Europe and, and the war. And all of these things bring different challenges than we're, we're used to. They're inflationary. Obviously, a pandemic is inflationary, but also wars inflationary. So things are harder to do, harder to get done when people are fighting and not focusing on being productive. Or productivity brings about economic activity that is cheaper, more efficient, and prices tend to stay down. In war, the opposite happens, right? It's more difficult to move goods and services, uh, to access capital, to access labor, and plant property and equipment sometimes. And you've seen that with all the different things that uh, is that are produced in, in Russia and in Ukraine, uh, and, and that has affected various industries. And all of that is inflationary. So the backdrop here is this isn't your, your daddy's market, right? This isn't what the 90s was. It's a very different environment. And so you have to adjust. You have to wring out the emotions a lot of that is political. Politics are very emotional, and people tend to instill their politics into their decision-making process when it comes to their investments because they envision the world a certain way, and oftentimes they invest according to that, when in reality, that's not a great way to invest. And then there's the natural human emotion of fear and greed with Markets ebbing and flowing, volatility generally picking up over the past couple of years. That brings about bad decisions. 
And so if you're a serious investor, you need to apply data. You have to apply discipline judiciously. And you need to be consistent about it. It's not about making one good decision. No one good one decision is probably going to uh, solve all your financial troubles. That's the reality of it. We all want to press a button, but that's not how the world is. And you need to invest for how the world is. So my goal is to shape your thinking so that you can be a more successful investor. So the phone lines are open right now and I encourage your participation. I love hearing your finance and investment questions and you can call our anytime toll-free number at 888-99-CHART. I have a lot of material to unpack for you today. My main focus point concerns the story investing in a time of polycrisis. And there's a theory which postulates that since our problems are interconnected and mutually exacerbating, it may be of limited use to focus on just one at the expense of others. You kind of have to look at trade-offs and uh, and kind of uh, think of them all together. So we're going to look at that, which uh, I think is important in, in these times to understand how to solve uh, our major issues. Now, time permitting, I also want to dig into the global economy and how it's been relatively resilient and some data points there. Also, the Fed meeting, Fed minutes, excuse me, from their last meeting at the beginning of, this, of, of uh, February, that came out yesterday. So I want to look at what they said. And then lastly, if we have time, we're going to focus on how it's not just the demand side, which the Fed affects the demand side to bring down inflation, but there's also the supply side, which that's more fiscal policy and how money is directed to solve supply chain issues or supply issues in general. So we're going to look at that. Okay, so that's, uh, that's what's on the docket for us today. We also have some voice bank questions ready to play. One is on Iber, Iberdrola, that's a ADR, as well as the US dollar. And I also have some iTunes review questions as well. So I've got this all planned for this episode of Invest Talk. And of course, your live calls most important. 888-99 chart is the number and how to get through. Now let's take a look at the market today. We had a nice little bounce day. The U.S. market broadly was up about half a percent. Small caps right around the same. Mid caps lagged a bit. They were only up about a third of a percent there. Uh, but, you know, the market was a bit oversold. Not a shock to see the uh, a bit of a pullback after this uh, this rally to start the year. And, but we didn't really have any major technical damage. We've held right at the 50-day moving average. And that's where we, we pierced it briefly this morning. And we held nicely above it. So, so far, we are seeing a, a holding of support, and you know the, we've gone through OPEX, and you kind of free up a lot of capital when that happens, and you often see a move in the market, and that's what we've seen so far this week. But so far, we, like I said, we've held support. The VIX, the volatility index, that ticked up on Tuesday and Wednesday. And was down pretty nicely today. So that is a positive. Remember, lower volatility is generally positive for equity markets. So in general, you still have to say neutral to positive uh, trend in the market. 
is going to hold for now. But you always have to be on the lookout for a trend change. But we're not quite there yet. So that's what happened in the market today. And we're going to pivot over to our first live caller, Alberto from San Jose, looking at CHPT, which is ChargePoint Holdings. Yes, hello, uh, yeah. Justin. I own a small at- position in ChargePoint. I know there's a big movement towards clean energy and EV, and rather than uh, invest in the car companies, I thought I think this is is an option I've been looking at. I hold a very small position. Um, do you think it's still a good option? I know the EV revolution is barely uh, getting off, so. Long-term hold, is this a good uh, company to, to continue to invest in? Uh, ChargePoint Holdings, this is a, it designs, develops, and markets electric vehicle charging system infrastructure and cloud-based services. Now, the good thing here is that it is making the end charging products. So that is a positive. I, I much rather own this type of company than those that are building out the network, right? We talked yesterday about highly capital intensive businesses. The bit, the companies that buy from ChargePoint, I definitely would not want to be a buyer of those names. So that's kind of the positive is, is it's in a pretty decent area. If you're looking at EV uh, adoption increasing, the problem here is that their end consumer is, not really you know, that financially strong. Like I said, the, their businesses they're selling to are, are not doing very well. If you look at their shares outstanding, that continues to go higher. Their cash flow negative. Cash from operations is negative 264 million over the trailing 12 months. And it's just getting worse. So that's not improving. It's not an improvement. Uh, return on equity is negative. So nothing about this to me is investable. Uh, it's an interesting name, uh, but the EV adoption curve is not really picking up. And frankly, it's not. It's going to take a lot longer than people think because you just need a lot more raw materials to produce these vehicles. They're a lot more expensive. So you know those uh, in the, the lower income bracket are going to have a tough time buying EVs. So... Not a name I'd be holding. The technicals are weak and the fundamentals are very weak. I would pass on this. I would, I would take my money out. I would sell it and move elsewhere. Thanks for the call. Now, the stock market is constantly shifting, and you must have at least a few finance or investment questions for me that you'd like answered. So why not give me a call now? You set the agenda. My phone lines are ready for your live call now on Invest Talk at 888-99-CHART. Get ready for a new KPP Financial Wealth Webinar. Value Investing, positioning your portfolio for profitability, relative price, and dividend payments. The Wealth Webinar will be a crash course on how to structure your value portfolios, providing real examples with assessment tools that KPP Financial uses every day to grow clients' wealth. The webinar will be anchored by KPP Financial CEO and Talk host, Justin Klein, and by KPP Financial Portfolio Manager, Luke Guerrero. 
Mark your calendar for Wednesday, March 22nd from 2 to 3 p.m. Pacific Time. You are invited to a new KPP Financial Wealth Webinar. Be sure to tell your friends and family members it's free and you can register now at investtalk.com. The stock market is constantly changing. And now with more than 50 million downloads, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley reaffirm their commitment to providing unbiased finance and investment guidance here on InvestTalk. 888-99-CHART. I just said, Steve, I want to get your opinion on Diamondback Energy, Super Simple FANG. Get your thoughts on their balance sheet, what you thought about their dividend. They have a pretty low PE. And if you think they're primed for a rally, thank you very much. Bye. All right. This is Diamondback Energy, and it's an independent E&P company here in the U.S. Operates in the Permian Basin, and it mainly produces oil, it looks like, uh, 60% oil, 20% natural gas liquids, and 20% natural gas. It's on the smaller side for the uh, EMPs, but not small. It's $25 billion market cap. Uh, high dividend yield. Let me take a look at that dividend yield. It's uh, pay ratio is reasonable right now, but obviously their business is uh, pretty volatile, uh, but they're earning pretty high returns uh, on their, their investments right now. The 2023 earnings are expected to be right around $23. That's down 5% from last year, but still it's trading $141 per share. You're talking about uh, a forward-looking multiple somewhere around five. That's pretty good. Okay. Now their business is slowing, which is fine. Uh, I have no, no problem with that considering how cheap it is. Uh, their balance sheet, let's look at their debt. Yeah, about $5 billion in net debt in their balance sheet. That's, that's nothing compared to their operating cash flow is $6 billion. So their balance sheet looks perfectly fine to me. Uh, I do think the dividend is going to be a bit all over the place. If you just look at the latest dividend amount, um, it's already kind of zigging and zagging uh, from that, that big spike up uh, back in May of last year, $3.05, and then it dipped back down a bit closer to, uh, what was that, $2.26, now back up to two ninety five. So clearly that dividend uh, is probably not going to be super steady, but maybe it uh, plateaus at a pretty high rate. Uh, overall, this is a good name. I I like it. It's in the EMP space. Uh, it's uh, relative strength is pretty good. Balance sheet is pretty solid. Uh, so and its return on equity is, is is good. So I I like this name overall. Enterprise value either right around four and a quarter. You know, I remember uh, we had a caller, I think it was last week or the week before, asking about a, 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 a much, much smaller EMP company. I was trading at three times. I'd rather own this trading at four that's more diversified, bigger, uh, steadier balance sheet, et cetera. So these are the type of names that I like. So I'm going to give Fang, Diamondback Energy, a thumbs up. Now we're heading into a break. I welcome your finance and investment questions right now. No questions too simple or too complex. You set the agenda. So give Best Talk a call at 888 chart Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. 
Now, my focus point concerns a story investing in a time of poly crises. And this is a term put out by the World Economic Forum. And they discussed this uh, in Davos. And this is where the world is in a state of interconnectedness and that the problems are mutually exacerbated, meaning globalization creates, and you've seen this with COVID, right? Where when you have supply chain disruptions in one area, it can reverberate around the world. And that's same with the war in Ukraine, things that happen around the world because of globalization, they have wide ranging effects. Whereas, you know, a hundred years ago, plus most economies were fairly self-contained. There wasn't a whole lot of impact to people's lives. If there was a major political or economic event halfway around the world. And in today's interconnected economic environment, every industry can have an impact on another industry. So for example, climate change and the challenges there is not siloed in the energy and transportation industries. You can say every industry from technology to basic materials to finance, there's, they all have their, their part to play. And if one industry makes a shift that can easily have an impact in another, for example, energy development, whether that's traditional fossil fuels or nuclear or green, those trends, those shifts have an impact on things like the finance industry. What assets are worth? You know, are, are assets stranded because they're no longer being used? Or is it better to lend into production of uh, new greener forms of energy? So this interconnectedness is something that you have to really ponder when you're looking at different sectors, industries, looking across borders, up and down market cap sizes. And there's frankly been an underinvestment in fixing a lot of our problems. Mainly because a lot of these problems, they're not sexy. It's sexier to develop a cool piece of SaaS software and making it big there and having a bunch of subscribers rather than investing in R&D to produce a, a silicon chip more energy efficiently or to develop a new way of engineering uh, an end product. And so the underinvestment in so many parts of, I call the real economy, not bits in the sky, but actual things that we need and use every single day. And these cycles are, this is part of human nature. Everything moves in these cycles. And we're in this phase now where 
but overinvestment in technology that is fun and cool, but not enough investment in the real world, real hard sciences that can fix our major problems. Now, the World Economic Forum listed a lot of very important problems that need to be solved. Obviously, climate change, uh, natural disasters, biodiversity, losses of, of ecosystems, large-scale involuntary migration, natural resource crisis, erosion of social cohesion, which I would argue technology has probably exacerbated that problem. When I say technology, I mean social networks, for example. Cybercrime, cyber insecurity, geoeconomic confrontation, and large-scale environmental damage incidents. Those are the top 10 for the next 10 years. And what you can see there is there needs to be direct R&D to solve a lot of these problems. And there just hasn't been. Right? There's been more, more of a goal to make money and to do things that are interesting as opposed to really digging in and diving deep on these problems. And part of this is the job of the private sector, but part of this is the job of the public sector to direct funds towards things that are, are needed as opposed to, you know, towards maybe drug companies, for example. And I think we're getting to that point where they're realizing that, that with an increasingly limited budget because of our large debt load, that money is going to be, need to be more efficiently directed, effectively directed to solve a lot of these problems. And so when you're investing, what are the, what problem are they solving? And I think you're increasingly going to see investments flowing towards those, those real solutions and something to think about when you're looking at different sectors. Now, in the next Invest Talk, the story behind this question, is there a surefire route to investing success? We'll get to that story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value. So your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now 
to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Justin Klein is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. We're going to go over to North Carolina and talk to Sid looking at BHP. Hi, Justin. Good evening. And first of all, congratulations to you and Steve for the 50 million downloads. And Thank my you. Is for the next 50 million. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Uh, I was actually <clears throat> trying to compare BHP and the Rio. I, I own Rio, uh, less than 1% of my portfolio. Uh, I'm at uh, 15% loss, but it's coming up very nicely to my buying point. And the reason I'm comparing both because I have one observation that both of them are in the same field, more or less, but uh, they are giving a very good dividend. But the investor's head uh, percentage are very, very low. Whereas I looked at the other parameters, return on equities and other things, looks quite good. I mean, the companies are, at least to me, looks good, but not sure uh, which one we need to enter again or should I hold the Rio for some more time uh, and is the BHP a good buying point at this price? So I thought I will take some opinion from you and thank you so much for your time. No problem. Now, Rio and BHP, pretty similar companies, diversified global miners, and Rio is out of London, okay? So it is a UK-based company. Uh, it's a bit more diversified. It has exposure to aluminum, diamonds, gold, a lot of industrial metals, so you're getting more diversity there. Where uh, as BHP, its main products are iron ore, copper, and metallurgical coal. 
not and Rio has a lot of that as well, but like I said, a bit more diverse than uh, than than uh, than BHP. Now BHP, when it comes to Rio, is about 115 billion dollar market cap, whereas BHP 158. So both very very large companies. Uh, let's see, BHP's business is a bit more up and down, but so is Rio's as well. You know, this is uh, definitely a, a difficult one because they both they both have their merits. Uh, I don't love the geopolitical issues with Australia. Uh, I rather, uh, you know, probably own Rio, to be honest with you, just because of that global diversity. But both are are very good. Their dividend rates are, are kind of all over the place, so don't expect the dividends to uh, be sustained at these high levels. Uh, but I like. Both of them. I like the the basic material space. I like BHP. I like Rio. You know, I I would wouldn't have a problem owning either. Uh, let me look long term. Yeah, Rio's definitely underperformed BHP over the long term. Uh, you know, this is this is a difficult one. I'd really have to dig in and and and, and dial in uh, all of the the data points here to really give you a sense of which one is better. Um, but uh, I would say Rio in general is a bit cheaper, uh, and I like that global diversity. So uh, I'm going to say Rio is my choice. I'm going to pick one, but I like them both. Thanks for the call. Now let's touch a bit on the global economy. And S&P Global did a recent survey of both here in the U.S., the Eurozone, U.K., and what's interesting is the economy is ticking up just a bit. Not a shock considering you're seeing the equity markets improving and interest rates had come down up until just recently. And that certainly helps economic activity uh, in general. But these surveys are mainly uh, about manufacturers and the service side of the economy. And there's some interesting, interesting things of note. First is retail sales here in the U.S. rose 3% in January from December. That was a, after two months of decline. So U.S. consumer snapping back just a bit. Household and business confidence has rebounded in Europe after mainly a mild winter. Right? Everyone worried about what's going to happen with energy prices and uh, a cold winter. Hasn't been a cold winter there. So maybe it's a bit of luck. The IMF last month raised its estimate for global growth to about 2.9% from 2.7, which was their projection in October. And if you look at the S&P Global Composite Output Index for here in the U.S., business activity rose to 50.2 here in the month of February, the highest in eight months. And any reading above 50 means expansion. Now, if you so it's at 50.2, so slight expansion there. If you break it down, the services part of the economy, that was at 50.5, and manufacturing at 48.4. That's up from 46.9 the previous month. So based on that, those statistics, things are improving, but still at kind of a stall speed. And that's really where I think the economy is. It's in a stall speed. And with the stall speed, you're probably going to continue to see data like we saw last night with ZipRecruiter saying, hey, 
hiring is slowing down dramatically. So while there's some more optimism that a recession will be avoided this year, I think it's still a bit off base. The biggest positive I see really isn't here in the U.S. It's actually in Europe, where everyone was worried. Six months into the war, nine months into the war, what was going to happen and how was that going to impact economic output? Hasn't been as bad as expected. What's interesting is there's a lot of been a lot of a lot of energy rationing over there, but the industrial output hasn't really declined much, which is pretty impressive. So the UK composite PMI jumped to 53 from 48.5 the previous month. That's an eight month high. The Eurozone composite in general is at 52.3. That was up from 50.3 in January. So a lot of data points here that are saying, you know, you're getting acceleration out of Europe. The U.S. economy is okay and improving. And I think that's part of the reason you're seeing a rally this year. A lot of it is liquidity as well. Um, but I wanted to give you those data points just so you have some update on what is happening in real time in the economy. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, I'd like to thank them for their courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. Zero Cool 208 says, I have a 401k with a player match. Recently, I had a child and started a 529 plan and consistently investing in my own E-Trade. Question one, should I even bother investing extra income myself or have my current 401k account holder do it for me? Easy. Invest your up into your company match, okay? Up into your company match. Then beyond that, if you want to save more for retirement, IRA, if you are eligible. Ideally, a Roth IRA, if you're eligible for that, if you don't have a super high income. And then if you can contribute to an IRA and take the write-off, I would do that as well. Make a lot of money, maybe doing a backdoor Roth, that's a good idea. But you really don't, you shouldn't invest more in your 401k past the company match until you've maxed out your IRA contributions. Then you can go back. If you have more than that, then you can go back and put it in, 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 your, uh, in your 401k because you're outside of the 401k, you're going to have a lot more investment options, right? Your Vanguard 401k is going to be very limited in options, probably just index funds. So not the greatest choices. So you want to get uh, as much as you can outside of it, but you're never going to beat the company match. So you want to make sure you get that. Now, it, question two is, is it wise to double down on a stock when it's falling in a bear market? For example, I own Apple stock, but when it started trickling down to mid to one, 130s, I doubled down, making my average price per share go down. As I sit now, I'm faring well. Would you recommend this strategy for, for select comp, known companies that most likely will do well over the course of the long term? Well, the general rule is that when you're down, it means you're wrong, right? You bought the stock and you bought it too high because it went down. Now, everybody's wrong, even professionals, so that's that can be fine. Uh, but oftentimes, especially names that aren't as strong from a business perspective, you were probably wrong, right? Their business may be up and down and you picked the wrong time to get in. And so throwing good money after bad is usually a bad idea. But going back to first principles is owning good companies, allocating to good companies with good business models at reasonable prices. 
that's really what you should be focusing on in general. And Apple is obviously one of those names. Great business, great company. It's going to ebb and flow between being over and undervalued. But over the long term, as long as their stranglehold on the smartphone market is maintained, they're going to do fairly well. So it really comes down to the actual company you're talking about. And in Apple's case, averaging down, probably a good thing. Well, now there's no denying that we're in a new market environment and time will march on and eventually you'll get to hopefully retirement and everyone wants to get to retirement or financial freedom quicker. And the way to do that is by having strategies that are appropriate for your end goals, for your risk tolerance levels and consisting, consistently applying good investment philosophy and do it in a disciplined way. And the question is, are you prepared to do that? Is your portfolio set up to do that? Is your strategy ideal for this market? Well, if you need help figuring that out, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve at our company, KPP Financial, where we operate the same philosophy, which is independent thinking and shared success. So we practice unbiased guidance, both on and off air, and we practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So I encourage you to send us a message through investtalk.com and set up a portfolio review with us or give our office a call at 800-557-5461. The sooner you reach out, the sooner we can get your portfolio optimized for your goals. Now, next up, we'll pivot to the InvestTalk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier on 888-99-CHART. Mark your calendar for Wednesday, March 22nd from 2 to 3 p.m. Pacific Time. You are invited to a new KPP Financial Wealth Webinar. Value investing, positioning your portfolio for profitability, relative price, and dividend payments. Be sure to tell your friends and family members about the new KPP Financial Wealth Webinar. It's free, and you can register now at investtalk.com. Hey, gentlemen. Dan from Seattle. Just wanted to get your opinion on a utility, it's I-B-D-R-Y, based out of Spain. The vast majority of my holdings are in, in ETF, dividend ETF, SCHD, and they're very weak on utilities and basic materials. So I've been looking to add some satellite positions. So this is one of the utilities I've been researching. It looks pretty decent. It's ranked very high on Seeking Alpha. Um, they are involved in renewables as well as some nuclear and, and traditional energy. But I just... Didn't know about investing in, in Spain. I have no knowledge of that area. So thought I'd run it by you guys. Thank you very much. All right. This is, I, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, Iberd, Iberdrola? Iberdrola. I believe that's how you say it. I-B-D-R-Y is the ADR symbol. It's one of the largest utilities in the world. It has electric utility operations in nearly 40 countries. 40 countries, that's a lot. Now, it's the, it is the largest owner of wind farms in the world, and that's 40% of its portfolio. They do have hydro production, natural gas, as well as nuclear plants. And what's interesting here is Spain is the home to about 50% of its power generation capacity, but they also have 
distribution networks in Spain, the UK, Brazil, and even some here in the US. So broadly globally diversified. So I, I kind of like that. Nice 4% dividend yield. But understand with these foreign names, that dividend yield is going to be a bit all over the place because of foreign currency shifts. And if you go look at a chart of that, it ranges from 13 cents on the high end to about $1.20 over the last decade. So you can see how it moves around now. It's at about 78 cents because of foreign currency fluctuations. So you're going to have to accept that. Now, because it operates in Europe, it typically is going to be highly regulated, but most utilities are high, highly regulated, to be honest with you. So I don't really have an issue there. Also, the dividend is, I don't believe it's going to be quarterly. A lot of these foreign names, uh, the dividend pays semi-annual or annually. I don't have that in front of me. The last ex-dividend date was January of this year. So you're probably not getting a dividend until July or maybe next January. I'd have to look into that. Uh, enterprise value to EBITDA is around eight. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily expensive. I think it's on, on the cheaper side. So I'm going to give this one really a thumbs up. I like the global diversity. Their balance sheet looks pretty good. The payout ratio is low, so they can continue to pay uh, that dividend of about 4% dividend yield. And I like having that foreign exposure. So I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888 chart One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888 99Chart. Hello, Justin and Steve. Raphael from Jersey. Been listening to the show for years. Love it. It's one of my absolute favorites. And I told dozens of people about it. Justin and Steve, I have a very serious question. It's my biggest concern, and it's about the U.S. dollar. My concern is that this second economic block that seems to be forming with the sole purpose of getting off the dollar, wouldn't that happening be dramatic impact for everybody that has U.S. dollar assets? I mean, wouldn't this be a cataclysmic event to have that happen? Because I'm pretty worried about it. I'd like you guys' opinion. Thank you. Bye. Well, the demand for dollars is broad-based and well-diversified. And that's what most people miss when they're looking at the dollar's reserve currency status. Now, the first thing I always say is, what's the alternative? There really isn't if you're talking about a fiat currency, whether that's Chinese yuan, the euro, whatever it is, no, no country has the rule of law, the military, the global reach to usurp the dollar. 
So I don't think it's anything that is that another country can offer. And on top of that, you have a global financial system that is that has a lot of dollar denominated debt. And how do you pay back that debt? Well, you pay it back with dollars. And what do you need? You need to pay those debts, right? If you have a mortgage, you can't show up to the bank and give them euros or yuan or Swiss francs. You have to give them dollars. So if you get paid in some other currency, right, you have a job overseas, whatever, you have to move that currency into dollars, exchange it. And so entities around the world have to do that. These aren't individuals, but they're corporations, countries. And so it creates this natural demand for dollars. And so many commodities are priced in dollars, not just dollars. Or sorry, not just oil. Everyone talks about the petro system. That's certainly a big part of it. But a lot of commodities are priced in dollars. And so when people try to say that there's this cataclysmic event, as you said. I just don't see that in the near term. Anytime soon, soon. Now, eventually, could that happen? Sure. Never say never. There's always, there's going to be a shift in the global financial system at some point. But it may not be in our lifetime. It needs to come from something that's, you know, a little, a little more substance than Bitcoin. For example, so I, I understand your worry, but you have to understand the diversity of our global financial system. Now, speaking of that, uh, I want to touch on the the Fed minutes that came out yesterday, and basically showed a few people, a few of the members were would have supported a half point increase, and I think that was the big thing that uh, spooked the markets was that hey. They're not just, they're not thinking about pausing. They're actually thinking about accelerating their, their pace of tightening. The reality, though, is the economic data doesn't support that. And while inflation numbers have, uh, have come down and they've kind of stopped really accelerating to the downside, they're still coming down. And so, that's what you're seeing in these uh, expectations going forward is that the Fed is going to keep probably on the 25 basis point hike. I think 50 is still off the table for the most part. Unless something crazy happens, you get a reacceleration in inflation, you get a ton of jobs uh, created. But once again, the underlying economic data doesn't support that. So that's why I continue to think this recent surge in rates, recent increase in the dollar is a bit offsides. That was a brief overview of what happened with the Fed minutes that were released yesterday. Now, I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley, thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family about a free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And we have now crossed over the 50 million download mark, thanks to you. We do have a new giveaway. So head over to our social platforms and 
give us a follow. Now be sure to rate and review on iTunes, and we thank you for your support. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights.